0: Jesus, I crave to know you to know you will satisfy my soul. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 147. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me on this episode. I pray that it's a blessing. Today we're going to do a a special episode. Um, Actually, uh, a listener reached out, uh, Lori. um, I've had the opportunity to um, just exchange some dialogue back and forth. And so um, she posed a few questions, and I wanted to just navigate some of that. Um, I do want to say up front, um, by no means am I a... um, Proficient Old Testament, you know, Jewish tradition uh, historian or um, practitioner of you know Jewish tradition and and such. So, if anybody out there is, um, please send me um, a, a message. I'd love to hear from you and your perspectives. Um, so, really, what I want to do is just kind of just kind of naturally navigate through some of this like I would maybe in just conversation um, if you and I were together discussing some things. And so this particular question uh, says, I've been reading through Exodus and Leviticus and some things have grabbed my attention is um, that there were sacrifices for sin and then other sacrifices for cleansing, Um, There are also, and here I'm just going to paraphrase some, but um, there are priests that were not um, permitted to have any kind of disability, could come into the temple to offer sacrifices because they were flawed. If a priest had some skin disorder, they had to go through a cleansing ritual uh, before they were technically clean again. Um, If a woman gave birth and she was unclean for a certain number of days before she was considered clean. So the question is, can you help me to understand how not only are our sins forgiven, but we are also made clean by the blood of Jesus and His sacrifice on the cross? So this is a great question, and um, uh, first of all, like I said, I'm I'm no scholar. I do want to offer some insights and perspectives. Though, however, Um, so as I started to navigate through some of this and maybe come to an idea of where you may be referencing in the Old Testament, I came to uh, Leviticus chapter fourteen, and then also Leviticus chapter twenty-one. So twenty-one deals with rules for for priests, particular. Uh, particular uh, uh, standards, I guess you could say, that the priests had to uphold, and in dealing with chapter fourteen, uh, it accounts for particular defilements uh, of, and the cleansing processes for for that and how what that would look like. So, f- for the sake of time, um, I won't read the chapter, but I think it. It would definitely do us all good to to read through that on our own and see the very particularness of of the standard. Now, at first glance, it's it's very easy to think that um, that not all people are treated equally. And it could be easy to to also get offended by that, especially if if maybe what you see on the pages really hits close to home for you. And it's not necessarily in the sense offended as you know um, maybe what we would think you know kind of in our modern day, but, offended or maybe bother you or maybe even irritate or just cause you to scratch your head and and wonder, how how is that the case in light of the God that I know and have come to relationship with? I don't understand. And so, first and foremost, I think it's important when we come to those places in Scripture that we just take a step back and are just kind of stumped and scratch our head, I think that it would benefit us to, to in those moments, ask God, I don't know how to reconcile this with who I know you to be, and, and ask Him to enlighten you to what this means or what you can learn behind it. Um, what I will offer by way of my insight is just that, distinct to my insight. Um, and, and I'm sure and confident that as you navigate this yourself and ask God to show you and reveal to you, you too will have very likely some unique insight into it. There may be some overlap between what you discover and maybe what I share, or it could be completely unique. That's the beauty of Revelation. Is it's a multifaceted diamond that is still a diamond, but unique from the varying angle that you're perceiving it at. Um, so that's, the, that's a wonderful component or analogy to Revelation. I as I was navigating these scriptures I came I came across a a delightful article and it was written by a rabbi and I'll have to link the article in the description because I don't have it in front of me right at the moment but one thing that he said that really struck home for me in understanding this difference between there's this component to cleansing and then atoning so there's there's a sin component and then there's this this cleansing component we see that in, in 14 and while chapter fourteen it definitely and explicitly addresses the a, a physical reality to cleansing, um, for example, in dealing with something like mold in your house, and on the stones, there was a very specific process for that. Something physical like mold, and how you were to deal with it in a stepwise process and so even as something as physical as that in as it relates to cleansing there's also a spiritual component to cleansing and here's what here is here's what this this rabbi shared in this article he said atonement is for acts like the things we do and purification is for persons atonement is for acts purification is for persons and i thought that was i thought that was deeply profound and and it really it helps me at least as i navigate this idea of atonement and cleansing it it helps to quantify, maybe, is the word, or qualify, I don't know, the difference between those. Um, And so, atonement is for acts, and purification is for persons. And now, I want to, you know, always, as we navigate our way through the Old Testament, you know, we don't, we don't see jesus explicit in there but we do see we do still see him in there and and so as we read through the new the old testament it's important to always be always have your antennas up for the the thread that is woven throughout the scripture of the old testament as it relates to the person of Jesus, and and there's types and there's shadows of of who Jesus is and what he would be for us. So, remember in this question, how can we understand how not only are our sins forgiven, but how we are also made clean by the blood of Jesus and and there there is a twofold dimension to what has happened on the cross we there is the sin issue for humanity but attached to sin there is an uncleanness because sin is uncleanness and there is a necessary need for purification so those two things are i believe simultaneously happening are occurring in the life of a of a person who is being touched by Jesus and what happens to their lives by transformation through his blood and belief in him so i'm just going to touch on some verses that I think, show both aspects of how Jesus, what Jesus accomplished for us by way of himself. So this deals with really more so cleansing here. We could probably think of it as purification also. Um, So maybe those words are interchangeable, at least for the purposes of my dialogue on the matter, I'm considering them to be. But one John chapter 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the holy spirit that component there of washing of regeneration and renewal that that really that really hits on this picture of cleansing. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Romans 12, 2, says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect so here we see some some applications of of how Jesus cleanses us because unrighteousness is a stain it is It is a defilement that needs cleansing. And then next we see uh, many of us are more familiar with the idea of Jesus as the atonement for us. This is dealing with sin, which connects to what this rabbi had said about atonement is for acts. We could say it's for deeds done, and namely, sin. So, 1 Peter 2, chapter 24, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hebrews nine twelve He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. You know, when when we think when i think of what the blood of jesus accomplishes because he he is he is holy and righteous and pure and without spot or blemish without wrinkle without shortcoming without failure he becomes our righteousness and we exchange our filthy rags for those that are perfect without spot or blemish we literally and i even maybe more spiritually we put him on we are in him and he in us there is a there is a wearing of of everything he is and we exchange our defiled garments for um, for his perfect ones. So and then uh, so I, I think that's uh, at least a, a small touch on this idea of cleansing and atonement and I think that, Especially in the Old Testament, we see a lot of foreshadowing of, you know, we call them types and shadows, but um, things that are exhibited in a certain way that would later be revealed in the fullness of, of what is occurring spiritually. They're, they're, they're shadows of what will be. And then, so lastly, I think, um, when we think about, especially, you know, chapter 21 of Leviticus and, you know, the specific nature of, of who and who cannot approach God and what condition they could be in, either physically or spiritually, there's very strict parameters. And... And like I said, it, when we read this on the surface, we definitely can find some difficulty in it, in reconciling. But the thing that we have to keep in mind, um, of course, you know, humanity has multiplied in their fallen condition, and we we find ourselves with limitations in both body and mind and uh, soul and our desperate need for intervention. And despite, though, the condition that we find ourselves in, we, we can know and be assured that God is, is eager to have relationship with us, each one, despite the limitations or the things that might try to seek to keep us distanced from him. And we see this kind of physically play out in this uh, you know Leviticus 21 and, and perhaps I'm sure other places of those who could not approach God. And I think the important thing, especially the way I see it, the important thing to remember is that that God is holy that God is perfect and anything anything that is especially now we know this isn't true in in the day that we live in because of what Jesus made available you see Jesus his his life his death his resurrection his ascension by, by way of Jesus, he tore the veil, the separation between, between humanity and the most holy place where, where the presence of God abides. I mean, the most holy person in that day, the high priest, could only go in there one time a year, the Day of Atonement. And he had to follow strict parameters because if he didn't, he would die. And I'm also reminded in the moment of uh, when David and his people were transporting the ark. And was it Uzziah that tried to steady the ark when it was falling and he touched it and he died? And we think, you know, we think, oh, he was just trying to help and he was, you know, we try to rationalize it. Well, And it's hard to rationalize because it seems unfair but i think the thing that we have to remember is we're talking about god and i'm not i'm not suggesting that that you all don't understand that you know who it is we're dealing with but our frail bodies and our insufficiency are are incapable of approaching such a most holy being such as God. And so it took a much greater sacrifice to bridge the gap between man, between woman, and God. And so I think that's the thing that we should cling to so greatly is that... Yes, God is, I mean, He's so holy and so mighty and so other than that anything that misses the mark of perfection is, is not enough, and, and Jesus paved that way for us all to be able to come to Him. Now we can enter His courts with thanksgiving. We can come in boldness and thanksgiving before God. And there's this, an invitation for restored fellowship and communion with a most holy God. And so I think that's that's all I really have to say. Um, I, I hope that it, it maybe shed a little light um, or provided some perspectives um, on this very difficult topic. So um, I hope it was an encouragement, and uh, I, you know, ask you know keep your questions coming. I can't explain how grateful and thankful that I am for uh, those you know faithful listeners. Uh, thank you for Lori for reaching out, and uh, I just you know I pray that this. God uses it, multiplies it, and uh, strengthens us all one another across across the whole earth. So, I uh, thank you for taking the time, and we will see you on the next one. God bless. If it means that I'm close to you, I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you.